we are now on chapter 16, having completed the first 15 chapters of Tanya, and we're at a sort of uh, crossroads. Let's just re review where we have been. We started chapter 1, we came in with a problem. We didn't even understand what was wrong with us. And we found out about the duality of our nature, the two souls. Throughout chapters 1 through 6, we learn more in detail about the nature of those two souls, that conflict within us. In chapters 7 and 8, we learn about that same conflict of holiness and the opposite of holiness in the world around us. And that concluded like the first... <laughs> What I'm informally calling first section of Tanya, it's not really formally labeled as such, but I mean formally calling the first section of Tanya, the first eight chapters, which are mostly informational. Mostly it's a lexicon, a vocabulary, uh, it's an introduction to a, a worldview. And as I've, I've mentioned to you many times before, all of the information that I need to know in order to follow the instructions for the rest of the book of Tanya are pretty much outlined for me in the first eight chapters. Which we're going to really see, we're going to really see in today's lesson how much a lot of the early information comes into use. So just look out for that. Um, after chapters one through eight we wanted to start to get more practical. So we started to get practical in chapter 9 by talking about the conflict and what it looks like in actuality, but in three different scenarios or different types of uh, personalities. Chapter 10 was the Tzaddik, chapter 11 was the Rosha, chapter 12 introduced the Bainini, and then we had the Bainini for 12, 13, 14, and 15. And if you remember last week, the, w the way we concluded was there was this Bainini who was sort of a Bainini by default because he didn't have much of an, a natural inner struggle. And we said, even for him, he ought to be working. He ought to push himself, he ought to find his ceiling and push past it in order to force himself to have to do some work. And we began to hint to the direction we're about to hit, uh, head in, in Tanya. We said, well, what would be that work? I mean, what, what does it mean if he has to push himself beyond his, his nature? It means that he would have to, uh, he'd have to go dig deeper. He'd have to either, remember this from last week, either he'd have to go meditate and think about God and give himself some new uh, emotions that he didn't have before to get that extra push, or at the very least, he would dig into some latent emotions that are... <coughs> Uh, buried there in his soul that haven't been activated. So it's there already, but it's not revealed, and he would have to go reveal it. And that's how we ended chapter 15. Remember that? Yes. More or less? So, that's really hinting to us the, the, the direction that we're heading in right now. What we're going to talk about is meditating on the greatness of Hashem until we manufacture some emotions. That's pretty much chapters 16 and 17. And we're going to talk about activating hidden or latent feelings for Hashem that are buried deep in the soul. That's pretty much chapters 18 through 25. 
But let me explain a little bit more. Um, like, remember we we said that we can look at Tanya as Yechidus, as an audience with the Alter Rebbe, and that each time we go into Yechidus is like the Alter Rebbe is telling us everything we need to know for now. And if we come back, we're not coming back because what he told us before didn't work. We're coming back because it did work, and now we have new problems, higher level problems. Okay. So let's look at it like this. I think I've told you that, you know, at least the way that I'm teaching it right now, the first real practical tool that we receive in Tanya was in chapter 12, right? A lot of description, a lot of information, but the first real practical tool that we were given was in chapter 12. Do you remember what that tool was? Self-control. Self-control. Great. I like the way you described it. And the technical term for that, meaning in the actual Loshen HaZoyar, my life, yeah, which is literally translated, the brain rules over the heart. And as the Altarba adds, naturally, innately, etc. Okay, so we have one tool and it's called which means self-control. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it was described to us. It was described as self-control. It meant, doesn't matter what you feel like, curb your impulses and behave Otherwise, that's self-control. But also, is it changing your mindset so that your impulses will be aligned with? Self-control is inhibition. That's all it is. Mm. And it's probably the first tool we're given because it's the easiest tool to do right away. Now. I say right away, because there's different ways of looking at what's easy. Remember we talked about the bet? Mm-hmm. You know, what's easier, to, to change how you feel or to change how you behave? So changing your behavior right now, you can change your behavior right now, even if it goes, even if it goes against your own emotions. You can override your emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's what my Shalta means to us so far. It means override your emotions. And you can do it right now. Okay, but let's discuss what inevitably happens. And, and, and we're doing this now. Let's say we come into our next Yechidus. We're after chapter 15. And the Altarev is asking us, are you doing Are you exercising impulse control? Perfectly. And let's say our answer, our true answer is, yes, we are. If the Alter Rebbe were to ask us, how are you feeling right now? Our true answer most probably would be... There's a tension. There's a tension. It's hard. There's, there, well, there's a tension. For sure there's tension. That's right. Yeah. And it could cause, I heard someone say resentful even, mm-hmm. it could cause that. Um, it could cause negative, we could judge it negatively. But even if we try to reserve judgment, there's no denying, objectively speaking, there's, there's it's tension. It's, it's, it's difficult. difficult because we're going against You're the grain. Upstream. We're deliberately swimming upstream. Yeah. We're de- and we're deliberately doing it every time, over and over again. Okay. Now, can it's it like be being done? on a diet and resisting. It's hard. Right. Right. Now, can it be done? Yes, but for how Of course it can be done. In fact, that was the whole point that if, of course it can be done. Nobody loses control, they surrender control because it became 
too hard to maintain control. But of course, you can white knuckle it. You can fight yourself for as long as you need to. The question is, is that the ideal way of serving Hashem? No. So. Well, it's not sustainable. Eventually, you break. It's sustainable. It's so let's pleasant. talk about the, it's whether really or not it's sustainable it's and, and the definition of sustainability. Okay. It's sustainable, but you're not a happy, healthy person. So let's it. imagine like this. You could sustain. You could be unhappy. <coughs> but not to be perfectly in control of your emotions all the time. It's not sustainable without right. other tools. <coughs> <coughs> okay. Imagine what this is. Just <coughs> Okay. Imagine, here's my insides. In, in Tanya, we call my, my emotions, my, my ideas and my feelings, my insides. Inside or <coughs> insight? Insides. Okay. Here's my outsides. That's my behavior. Now, Imagine there's a rubber band in between the two. And like this, the rubber band is slack. Now imagine I learned the tool of my Shaltal life. And although internally my level is only here, this is what I feel like doing, but I can do way more than I feel like doing. I can take my outsides and I can crank them up a notch and a notch and a notch. And what's happening to the rubber band? It's stretching. It's getting stretched tighter and tighter. Okay, now I can do it. <coughs> Should we get you some hot water now, Yeah. Hot water? Yeah, that would be probably more helpful. Thank you. <coughs> I can do it. But let's talk about what happens when somebody's stretched like this. With no... End in sight, yeah. with no relief in sight, with no other <laughs> tool to go to. Okay, so okay, so either what happens is you snap, snap. Okay, snap happens sometimes, and then that's a quick fall. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what they call regret, regression to the mean, is that just over time I go back to what's comfortable. And maybe over you know a long time of stretching like this maybe my insides kind of got a little bit more comfortable so that when I get comfortable, it doesn't fall quite back as low as I used to be, but I sort of settle back down, right? The chilling out process. So the behavior becomes a habit, which allows you to be more The behavior becomes a habit, so to some extent that cushions the fall right. when you fall. Or maybe that's why you come up a little bit. It becomes right. more inside right. and right. outside. But the, point, but the point I'm making is that the sustainability of the stretch, like this, okay, that's not ameliorated, at least not entirely by habituation. In this sense, habituation is our friend, but it's not doing the whole job. We're still dealing with this untenable stretch, okay? Now, another solution is, and some people do it, just they go around like this their entire lives. Mm -hmm. These are the people who are great advertisements for being from, right? Because no, I think they're the really... I think the opposite. That was called sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I didn't want to say something mean so deliberately, <laughs> so directly. But yes, I'll say it again with a wink. These are the people who are great advertisement for being from. Wink. Okay. All right. All right. Somebody's going around like this. Okay. Um, which means his insides and outsides are totally incongruent, and there's nothing he can do about it other than, well, there's one solution. God forbid. Let it all go. Let it all go. I'm sorry. Got to go back to my natural self. I'll, and at least I'll be friendlier. <laughs> at least I'll be a nicer guy if I can just stop being so religious. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, none of these are, are tenable solutions. So we have to have some way to raise the insides. Now, if we had a way to raise the insides completely, mm -hmm. to be completely congruent, so here's just comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Here's my low insides and my low outsides. Here's self-control. Bam, I knock up my outsides to perfect behavior. And then let's say I had some tool that I could take my insides and knock them up to perfect <coughs> insides, right? Congruently perfect on the inside and the outside. What would that be called? That's a tzaddik. So that's not happening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, this has lemon in it or something. Orange juice a drop. Orange juice a drop. Okay. Oh, that's a good idea. That is such a good idea. Okay. <laughs> so clever. She's fancy. <laughs> ah, if this were a men's class, this would never happen. <laughs> I have two options also. Okay. okay. Thank God. I knew it was the right decision to come in today, even though I'm going to go to the flu. Okay. All right. So we, we're not going to get like this, but can we raise up the insides a little? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can. Okay. Now, that's one way I'm presenting it to you, meaning the next place we need to go, and I know intuitively it's where I need to go. I'm asking the Rebbe, please help me with my insides. Help me expand emotionally. Let me tell you another way to approach it. The same, it'll put us on the same road, but it's a slightly different ramp, and I alluded to it last week. We got into the discussion last week. Remember when somebody asked about the guy who's the default Bainini in chapter 15? Like, why should he even risk it? It'll leave well enough alone. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I was talking about, well, you know what? It's not about just the results. It's also about the Aveda. It's about the work. About the effort. And this guy's skating by. There's no effort. He's just cruising. So it's not right that he's able to get by in life, so to speak, and there's nothing internally going on. And why is that not right? Because ultimately, yeah, we give Hashem our outsides, our behaviors, because that's the easiest thing to give him, because that's what we have the most direct control over. But we're not only giving them our outsides, even in a system like Tanya, which puts so much emphasis on behavior first, ultimately, it's not only, it's not limited to behavior. We want to give Hashem our insides as well. We want to give Hashem everything. I wish I could give him, I wish I could be like a tzaddik and give him my entire self. I know that's not to be. I will not give him my entire self. And that's okay. I don't need to be a tzaddik. But at least, like we talked about in chapter 14, I, I have to remember, I did take an oath. My soul did promise at least to emulate, to try. 
to strive for tzaddik. So I want to get as close as possible. And what does a tzaddik mean? Perfect insides. So I do want to get as close to internal perfection as possible. External perfection, I want to attain. External perfection means control yourself and do it all the time, even when you don't feel like it. That's the beauty of external perfection. You can do it even when you don't feel like it. But I don't want to always not feel like it. I want to sometimes feel like it. Not only because, like we spoke about before, it makes this stretch be less uh, tense. But also because for Hashem. I want to give Hashem as much of myself as possible. So I don't want to be like, you know, what do you care if I like it or not? I'm giving you what you want. It's not nice. There's something to be said for saying, you know, you don't have to get me to like it. I'm devoted enough to do it without liking it. But you know what? Sometimes it's nice to also like it. It's nice to actually share your beloved's tastes, what they prefer, what they, what they desire. So I do want to emotionally get congruent a little bit as well. All right, so that brings me to this juncture in Tanya where I really need some internal work, which I haven't had yet. Make sense? Yeah. Well, Mayach Shalat is internal work already, isn't it? Well, It requires a, a level of con, con, uh, self-control, uh, of in, in yeah. making a conscious choice. Yes. That's intellectual. Yeah. And it's superficial. Well, it's interesting. You say it's intellectual. It's not really intellectual. It's... The term that the Al-Trebbe uses, he says, he, he calls it mm-hmm. the willpower of your mind. In other words, it's not cerebral. No. no. The way we've learned so far, it's not cerebral, it's not contemplative, <coughs> there's no meditation going on. Um, it's It's the willpower of the mind. However, Get ready for this. At this juncture, now we come into the Altar Rebbe and we say, we need something to help us start the internal work, changing our insights, changing our emotions. The Altar Rebbe gives us a tool. And that tool is called Mayach Shalta Lalev. Now hold on a second. Mayach Shalta Lalev is a tool we already have, and that's impulse control. Ignoring our insides, overriding them. Mayach Shalat has two meanings at two stages. At first, it means impulse control. Control yourself. Which, it's obvious why that would be the first meaning that we were introduced to, because that's the one that's easiest to implement now. Just do it now. You don't have to like it. Do it. However, there is another meaning to Mayach Shalat Alev, it just it takes time. So now we're being told about it later. Which is, change yourself over time. So first, Mayach Shalat Alev meant control yourself. Now Mayach Shalat Alev means change yourself over time. And what will happen is, slowly, we will change our insides, we'll lift them up, and start to get congruent with our perfect outsides. Now you're going to say, hold on a second. If there's a way to do that, why didn't Dalit Rebbe teach me that first? 
Why didn't he teach me that much delay first, so I would never have to be uncomfortable? Well, first of all, it takes too long. So what's the objective here? The objective here is to start serving Hashem as much as I can, as soon as I can. So the first thing I'm going to be told is, here, here's a trick you can do, anyone can do, right away, is just start controlling yourself. All right. Now, after a while, you say, but this is untenable. Well, if it's your only tool, yeah. But I wasn't going to leave you like that. I wasn't going to leave you like that. That's not your only tool you'll ever have. There are other tools. In fact, the main focus of Tanya is going to be on the internal work. The, 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 the self-control stuff, that, we, we did that. We covered that. And, and it's not that we graduate from it. We never graduate from it because we always need to have that basic self-discipline, that Kabbalist oil. That is the foundation of everything. But now on top of the Kabbalah soil, we have what you might call a deeper level of Kabbalah soil. How is self-control Kabbalah soil? Self-control is Kabbalah soil because it's basically saying, I'm not the boss, Hashem is the boss. So Kabbalah soil literally is acceptance of the yoke. Like a beast of burden who has the, the yoke on him so that he produces for the farmer instead of running around doing what he wants. So self-control means, I'm not the boss. Hashem, you're the boss. That's self-control. Self-transformation is also a form of Kabbalah soil as well. Which is, if you look at it the right way, which is, Hashem, I don't want to just give you my behaviors. I don't just want my behaviors to be congruent with your will. I want to also surrender to you my insides. And I want them to be congruent with your will. Now, will that ever happen completely? No, because that's a tzaddik. But to the degree that I'm able to accomplish it, I, I, I must accomplish it for you. But it could happen for moments. You'll have your moments. Oh, for sure there can be moments. Okay. We spoke about this last week, yeah. right? There can be moments where you do get internally congruent. Yeah. You have a tzaddik mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So that's our bonus. It's not all or nothing. It's throughout the day, you have moments where you can actually reach that level. Throughout a lifetime doesn't mean necessarily mean it happens every day. Right. If it happens every day, you have <laughs> here. Not all day, but every day. If something. you have a moment every day when you're inside of yay. <laughs> but she probably does. It's tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so let, let's, let's look at chapter 16. I'm trying to Chapter 16 says like this. There's, it says, here's the main rule. Here's the klal gadol, the major principle, which is maya shal But now the meaning is changing. It means create feelings by thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember I said these chapters are going to harken back to a lot of stuff we learned earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, remember back in chapter 3 when we learned where emotions come from? Remember back in yeah. chapter 3 when we learned about the composition of the soul, mm -hmm. about the ten faculties and how there are three intellectual and seven emotional, mm -hmm. and the relationship between the three intellectual and seven emotional. Remember? And metaphorically, that's called parent-child, right. right? So where do, where, do, where do emotions come from? Intellect. From intellect. They are children of the intellect. They're born from intellect. So we learned back in chapter 3, that's where emotions come from. They are babies that are born from the intellect. All right, remember back in chapter 4 
when we're talking about thought, speech, and action, and we're going into real depth about how thought is a behavior. And remember we're talking about you have control over your thought? Mm -hmm. Not what rises up to your thought, Suppressing but what you choose, remember, the knock on the door as opposed to opening the door. Remember that, yeah? Right. yeah? Those who are here? Okay. All this is coming back together now in chapter 16. So basically it's saying like this. You know where emotions come from. Okay, well, let's back up. You need emotions. You're lacking emotions. Okay, no problem. Go to the emotion store. Where's the emotion store? Well, in your head, that's right. You, you, the factory, actually. You make, the, you make them. You know that from chapter 3 where emotions come from. They come from your head. Okay. How am I supposed to get my head to produce the right stuff? Well, you know that you have control over what you meditate on. We learned that in chapter 4. That's such a powerful message. It is a very powerful message. So go ahead and make a decision... Not to meditate reactively. We spoke about this, our reactive meditations. When, let's say, a painful memory pops up. And then we just get lured into there. We visit the museum of our own suffering. And then, we, you know, we spend a good few minutes in that meditation. And we come out with such intense emotional reactions, right? So you see there what a good meditator you are. Or some scary... Uh, prediction or imagination of uh, or worry for the future pops into your head and then you just get lured into that and then you, you meditate on it for a few minutes until you're actually feeling dread and terror you have a real emotional reaction so we're powerful meditators this we know so this is called being an active a proactive meditator sit down and take five minutes to think about the greatness of Hashem and even if you will say, he says in chapter 16, even if you will say, but I'm never going to manage to generate full-fledged love and awe of Hashem through my meditation, that type of intense emotion, that is only attainable by a tzaddik. He introduces a concept and he says, okay, fine, so it's not an emotion. Don't call it an emotion. Forget it, don't call it an emotion. Call it a tvuna. What's a tvuna? Tvuna comes from the word bina, which means understanding. A tvuna is sort of like a proto-emotion. It's a little bit more opinionated than objective intellect, but it's definitely less passionate than a real feeling. You might also call it an appreciation. And appreciation means, yeah, I get that. I see why that's really important. As opposed to, okay, fine, I'll do it. I don't know. They say it's important. What are you doing this for? I don't know. Somebody told me it was important. That's a lack of appreciation. Appreci appreciation means, look, I'm not passionate about this. I have things that I am passionate about. So I know what that feels like, and this isn't it. But I totally get that this is an important thing. It's worthwhile. That it's worthwhile. When I meditate on the greatness of Hashem, my brain will produce, at least produce, tvunas, appreciations, where I, my own brain and my own heart, will come to the conclusion 
that it is a worthwhile thing to devote my entirety to Hashem. That I want to give all of myself to Hashem. All of my time and my energy, all of my resources, that that totally makes sense. That's how a person should want to live. And if I'll properly go through the meditation on the greatness of Hashem, I will come to that conclusion. Once I've come to that conclusion, once I have those emotions with me, that'll be enough to get me to where I need to go. Where do I need to go? <coughs> How much emotion, or we're not calling them emotions, but proto-emotion. How much of these pseudo or proto-emotion do I need? Enough to get me congruent with my actions. Up to, I need to appreciate it enough to actually say, and therefore, let's go ahead and do it. So the rubber yeah. band becomes less slack. And the rubber band becomes, becomes less, less slack. Taut, less taut. A little bit less, less taut. Right. Yeah, less a little, little less taut, a little more slack, yeah. So there are two little things that are troubling me. One, yeah. um, there's a saying, the heart wants what it wants. Mm -hmm. And in secular understanding, it's just like, you know, sometimes you want something and you logically understand mm -hmm. that it's not good for you. Right. But the heart wants what it wants. We're, these emotions are coming from somewhere, but they're not coming from intellect because logically, intellectually, you understand that this is not good. Yeah. So where are those emotions coming from? Well, what you're talking you about, the heart wants what it wants, is actually not an emotion. That's a taiva. Uh -huh. That's a, a lust or a craving. Mm -hmm. Those aren't emotions. Okay. And that's the problem with today's There's society. There's no emotional attachment. Okay. That's just the... Uh... Okay, so that's different. Yeah, that's a different thing. Um, and those are super rational, and that's right. why you can't talk, them, talk yourself out of them, uh -huh. and the smartest approach is to ignore them. So you just go back to the original Moshe Yeah. Okay. You go back to the original Moshe okay. life, which is self-control. Self-control, okay. right? Um, and it, it's okay to have cravings that are inappropriate because okay. I'm not going to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. Not paying attention. I'm sorry. No discussion. No. No. We're not even having the discussion. Now these appreciations yeah. are. Could we say they're pre-emotions? Do they develop into emotions? Are they pre-emotions? I was calling them proto-emotions. Right, I'm or, thinking like if you have enough of appreciation, you say, does it is there a critical mass? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the point is that it doesn't have to. Even if you never crossed that threshold, but you wanted to. You wanted to, of course. Okay. But the point here is, even if it doesn't, even if it never feels as emotionally powerful to you mm -hmm. as if you compare it to some of the most emotionally intense experiences of your life and you say, wow, how come I haven't had a davening that made me feel like that? And, and the answer is don't worry. Don't worry. You don't need to hit that level. You just need to feel enough of an appreciation that this is the right thing and that the motivation now to serve Hashem is coming from me. Not just from my willpower, because that we have from the first Mayach Shabdal life. It's coming from me, meaning it's coming from my own emotions. I have some emotional congruency with the behaviors. Okay. 
Now, another point he makes in chapter 16, at the end of chapter 16, is there's an expression in the Gemara that Machshava Toiva HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mitzarfo The way that expression is usually used is somebody wanted to do something nice and then it was no longer needed. Like, uh, could somebody get me a tea? And then they went to go get a tea and then somebody else brought a tea and then they called down the hall and said, never mind, don't go get the tea, someone else brought the tea already. So you'd say, oh, you had a good intention, a good thought. Hashem will consider it like you did it. So don't worry about the fact that you were called back halfway down the hall before you got to go make the tea. You wanted to make the tea, and you just you didn't need to make the tea, so it's but it's as if you did it. Okay. The Altarebbe, though, takes the words of the expression in the Talmud and he and he analyzes it and, and he takes it more literally and says, you know, if that's really all it means, then it should say, um, you know, there's expressions, Allah HaKosuf, which idiomatically in the idiom of our sages means the, the Torah considers as if. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say the Torah considers as if. It says, Kodesh Baruch Hu Siruf. That means combines. Hashem combines the Machshava Toiva to a Maise, the good thought to a deed. What does that mean? Hashem combines the good thought to a deed. So, the alternative explains like this. A real emotion is visceral. It's in your flesh. Right? Like real love. You think about real love. I'm talking about on, a, on, on the most gut level. It's something you feel in, 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 in your body. Or real fear. You're going way too fast down the highway and you see the police car hiding in the, in the bushes, right? And you get this sudden cold, prickly shock right in your stomach, right? That's, you feel that in your body. Okay, but how about when you uh, go to bench lift? You know, are you getting an, a, a physically palpable sensation? Or are you just sort of feeling like, I know this is good, I know this is right, this is where I ought to be doing, this is where I ought to be doing what I ought to be doing. And it's sort of just a, like I said before, it's an appreciation. You should pick a different mitzvah, because every woman that lights candles, we exhale as soon as we light. There is an emotional feeling of like, Baruch Hashem, the Shabbos. Yeah, that's the relief that it's Shabbos already. But I'm saying, just from the exhilaration over the opportunity to do the mitzvah, I'm not talking about the relief that Shabbos came. I'm talking about the mitzvah itself. See, that, that's exactly, it proves the point. The relief that Baruch Hashem, now Shabbos is here, ah, that elicits an actual sigh. That elicits a physical response. 
but the mitzvah itself, I'm not saying there aren't people here that are extremely spiritually sensitive, and I'm sure that people here have had a moment where the mitzvah itself had some deep effect on you that you felt in your body. But routinely speaking, most of us, no. The feeling isn't here or here. When we do a mitzvah, it's here. It's, I get it. This is the right thing. This is what I need to be doing. Well, Bali Chiba have the more of a feeling because it's not so routine for them and they haven't been doing it for so long. For two years. <laughs> right. Okay. Two years is not not great. I'm not 18 months. And uh, I was just going to sound counter, like, like intuitive, because yeah. this is such a deep concept, but, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, our, like, the basic answer is that you need to be learning about why you're doing what you're doing, and what each mitzvah really means to, to connect to it. If you do something by rote, let you're a Balchiva, or you're an FFB, um, like, I'll give an example. In the Sephardic community, where I learned on another, another day of the week, um, we, like, explore, uh, we, we went through, like, each, each um, bracha, like, this semester, we're learning every single bracha of the Amidah. And it helps us connect to each and every bakasha and hoda'a and everything together, right? And everyone's Shemona Esra is completely transformed, something that, like, you force yourself to do. Okay, okay, but let me, let me say something. All that having been said, if we're going to be realistic about it, even when we're really learning and we're really internalizing and we're spending time thinking about it and letting it affect us, to say that after that's all done, that now our love and awe of Hashem is as palpable to us as things that we relate to that are let's say, that our animal soul loves or fears. Maybe on a good day, at a, on, a, on a good moment, at a good moment. But the point that I've been making right here is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Nobody said that you had to get yourself passionate. You just have to get yourself to a point where you appreciate it enough you say, you know what, this is worth doing. And then, most importantly, because you appreciate it's worth doing, well, you do it. You must do it, right? Well, you were doing it even before the appreciation. Yeah, but you were doing it without the appreciation. Now, the, the appreciation... is the same. It's like you're adding another hmm? level to it. Of course the doing it is the same. Right, but I'm saying the kavana is different. But now, the appreciation is the motor behind the doing it. Now follow what we're saying before. We're trying to explain why the, the sages use this expression, this funny expression, that explains like this. If you're a tzaddik, your love and fear of God is as physical of a sensation as the physical action of the mitzvah that you do. Like putting on tefillin is a physical action, so your avavayira as a tzaddik is just as physically palpable to you. So it's clear that the emotion and the action go together. They are a uh, they're they're in sync. But with a regular person, where our motivations for doing Torah mitzvahs remain a little bit more, let's say, 
Hmm? They're a little more muddled. It could be. Uh, no, not that they're muddled. That they're that they're more removed from being. But let's say. It's organized. They're non-spiritual, though. Not that they're disorganized. Not that they're muddled. That they're. It's organized. No, no, no. <laughs> that they're they're more abstract. Oh. They're not palpable. They're not physical. They're not in your body. They're in your head. Mm-hmm. Even when you really internalize something well and get it and you enjoy it and you appreciate it, it's still, it's in your head. But shouldn't that give birth to the emotion? Ideally, but let's say all it gives birth to is that proto-emotion, which is still not physical. It's still more theoretical than, than concrete. Kind of a good idea. It's a good idea, right? It's more abstract. So what does Hashem do? Hashem takes, He has to do it, He has to take the two, because they don't go together naturally. Hashem takes your abstract notion of this being a good thing to do, and your very, your very physical and, and um, substantive action of doing the mitzvah and he puts them together, he combines them. But this he combines in an instant when the mitzvah was not actually done. No, if there was the mitzvah was not actually done, so what no, then the good intention is worthless. No, no, but the good intention, but, what you're saying, like, you go to get the tea, but you don't have to get the tea, because it's not no, that, that, that's, combining. We're saying that's not what the expression means here. Oh. What the expression means here is something totally different. What the expression means here is, you should know this, mm-hmm. that the impact that your mitzvah has, what does it mean, the impact? The spiritual impact. The cosmic impact. What your mitzvah does to the world. The, 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 the way your, your way your mitzvah resonates in heaven, or high, how high in heaven it reaches. That impact is as is, is equal to the impact that the tzaddik's mitzvah has. Even though the tzaddik does the mitzvah with both physical deed as well as a real palpable emotion in the heart, and his emotion and his deed are both grounded in the physical world, and your emotion is more abstract, Yet Hashem takes your abstract notion of this is a good thing to do and combines it with your physical deed and gives it the same impact as if you did it with the motivations that a tzaddik has. So basically, wrapping it all up, the point of chapter 16 is, A, we have a new tool, it's called Ah, I heard that term before. Yeah, but that meant control yourself. Now it's going to mean slowly change yourself. How do I change myself? Okay, let's let's revisit points that we knew before. Emotion, you know, you need emotions. Where do emotions come from? Chapter three. We looked at that. Emotions come from intellect. How am I going to get my intellect to do what I want? But chapter four said, you can think about whatever you want. Go go meditate. What if I meditate and it doesn't give me full-fledged, burning, passionate emotions? Okay, they're called tfunais, and they're good enough, provided they lead to action. Lead to action. As long as they lead to action, they're good enough. 
In fact, not only are they good enough, like second best, Hashem will take them and put them together with your action as though you had done your mitzvahs with that passion that really only a tzaddik feels. Oh, this we get a bonus. So if we get the same results as a tzaddik, we don't even need to even attempt to be a tzaddik or a vayner. No, how often do you have a conscious thought like, this is a good mitzvah, I'm going to do it? Well, you could Would you do it right now. No, no, we're doing it by, a lot of what we do is we do by If it's going to be the same results as a tzaddik, then we don't have to aim so hard. You don't have, you don't have to aim so high to be a tzaddik. Um, you promised that you're going to try to be a tzaddik. So but why why would we even do that? Like I'm just saying, if we, if we because the soul took an oath that you're going to attempt to be a tzaddik, even though we know we're not going to reach it. Right. We're going to emulate. We're going to strive for it. But the results will be the same. It's and the results will be the same. The impact. Is the impact will be the same. That's right. But you're a better person. You change. You have appreciation. You still oh, don't have emotions. You through, you're saying if you apply the tool yeah, of chapter 16? Before, sure. Of course you're a better person. You have to be. You're... Let's just make sure, let, let's finish up here and make sure it's clear. If we do what we just learned in chapter 16, bottom line, what's going to happen to us? We develop an appreciation, and that will lead to actions that are going to be like thoughts. Less incongruous with our... Eventually, it's going to make you become more like thinking in more in that direction and acting in more that in that direction. So you're you're already but, acting in that but, direction, but it's going to it's going to take you even further. It's like going to make you more aware, more in where they're in naturally going to be the same. That's right. It's going to make you more the, the person who you are. Like let's uh, let's put it one more way and we'll wrap it up. Okay, you know, there's insights and outsides. We were saying. The, the emotions and behaviors. Another way to say it is, and I think we spoke about this in, in, in chapter 3 when we introduced, uh, or maybe in chapter 4 when we were co contrasting the difference between garments and uh, soul powers. But there's what you do and who you are. So what you do, we change that immediately. Who you are, Gradually. Gradually. So chapter 16, what did we just learn? How to slowly start Begin changing, changing who, you who you are. And what's the tool? Where is it for changing who you are? You've got to meditate on the greatness of Hashem. Mm -hmm. And slowly build those appreciations and change who you are. And become more and more on the same page with those beautiful behaviors that you're already displaying through the impulse control that you learned back in chapter 12. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, but would you be able to give an example? Do you mind? An example of? Of, 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 of something that you take upon yourself that stretches you to your, you know, like, like to, to the capacity and that you can somehow catch up with, of, you know, mentally. Could you repeat the question? Yeah, the question was, can I give an example? Because you mentioned Lichbenchen, which is just such a beautiful thing. It's not yeah. such a difficult for most women. <coughs> but isn't it different for each person? That's what I was about to say, yes, is yes. I don't think that the example is taking a specific mitzvah. It's not about the specific mitzvah. It's about overall. In other words, you're not meditating on a specific mitzvah. You're meditating on Hashem. And therefore, whatever Hashem wants is therefore important to me. Even the stuff that I don't naturally have 
an attraction towards. So you you said, oh, but lift benching is such a beautiful mitzvah. Okay, so maybe your nefesh abamis likes lift benching, so you don't ever have a struggle with lift benching. Maybe you're like the banini of chapter 15 when it comes to lift benching. But if you're meditating on Hashem, that's strengthening your overall feeling of uh, desire to do what He wants. How does the concept of working on one thing at a time, like like they say, you know, every year, you know, you want to take on, obviously it doesn't work right. with this concept, but like, how does it work, right? What Like for us practically, you know, to find, to do something that really, like you said, doesn't agree with us, like, you know, right. her, her tomato theory and your tomato theory. Um, like what, what would you, what would you suggest? Like, where would you start? On a practical level, to help us out. So this is more holistic. You know, this isn't like, you know, Western medicine, which is, let's treat the symptom. This is holistic healing. This is, let's strengthen the entire organism. So, I'm glad you're asking this, because this should be clarified here. Right now, what we're talking about in Chapter 16, about getting that internal uh, transformation, is just caring more about Hashem about Hashem. You know, like a spouse says, could you do such and such? And the other spouse says, well, why is that important? I'll forget it. You know why that's so, so much of a turn off? Why do I have to tell you why it's important? I told you I want it. Isn't that important? In other words, aren't I important? <laughs> if I'm important, then what I ask you to do should be important. Even if that thing itself isn't inherently important to you, but because of who I am to you, it should transfer some importance to that task, request. the request. So the, the meditation here is holistic. It's on the greatness of Hashem, and then it's well, whatever He wants. This, the mitzvahs that my Nevjibamis already likes, the mitzvahs that my Nevjibamis doesn't yet already like. Make sense? Yeah. yeah? Okay, let's wrap up.